This episode is brought to you by Amazing Facts. Amazing Facts Center of Evangelism, known as AFCO, is holding a 10-week summer program beginning June 1 this very year. And we think it would be an amazing opportunity for some of you to get some serious evangelistic training. You'll be putting all you learn to practice while working in local communities, taking the gospel to real people. And then you'll conclude the whole program with a two-week evangelistic series in the beautiful country of Panama. If you feel like God is calling you to learn how to win souls for Him this summer, visit afco.org. And then there's been times where I've confronted things. I'm like, Lord, how do I do this? Mm. And you go to the go to Him in love with tears, and and you plead with them, and then they malign you. They 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 say all sorts of bad things about you, right. and they they hate you for it. And you're pleading for their soul. You're you're praying for them. You're laboring, interceding in their behalf. You're going to them gently, and they hate you for it mm. because no one else has ever confronted them. Right. And and it's like. You don't think you're doing anything novel. You don't think you're doing anything extraordinary. You're mm. just trying to be faithful and love these people. I'm Dean Cullinane, and you're listening to Why They Did That, a show that explores the motivations of biblical characters and how their choices can guide yours. Life rarely goes the way you think it will. If you'd have told 18-year-old me that my life would look the way it does in 10 years' time, I'd genuinely consider getting you some professional help. It would have sounded that absurd. God has a funny, an often genius way of getting us where he needs us to be and giving us a, a whirlwind of a journey on the way there. And I'm not alone in thinking this, especially when considering the life of today's guest, Pastor Jeff Walper. Pastor Jeff never wanted to be a pastor. The Lord found his heart at the ripe old age of 23, and Jeff immediately decided that he was going to be a missionary for Jesus. He got the necessary training before heading off to Japan and then returned to the U.S. to complete his studies. And then it came, the call of God to enter into full-time ministry, a call that was all too familiar to today's character and focus, the prophet Jeremiah. The scriptures tell us that God had a plan for Jeremiah's life even before he was born. His purpose, his calling preceded him. His father Hilkiah was a priest, so Jeremiah was familiar with the religious services and the demands of working full-time for the Lord. But that doesn't mean it was easy. At times, he just wanted to throw in the towel, but he just couldn't keep the Word of God to himself. He was God's mouthpiece, whether the people liked it or not. And in the case of Jeremiah's ministry, it was almost always not. He truly earned the title the weeping prophet. And just as it were thousands of years ago, God is still calling people to shepherd his wandering sheep. It's a thankless job, but someone's got to do it. I remember having this uh, tremendous conversion experience mm. and quite happily, you know, excited to, to become a missionary for Jesus. Uh-huh. But then I went to train to be a missionary and they sent me to Hatsukaichi, Japan for like a year. And wow, yeah, it was awesome, man. I, I came back and um, <clears throat> I, I was thinking I was gonna be a physical therapist, mm -hmm. you know, do just be a- Like a missionary on the side? Yeah, like a missionary, exactly. Like uh, just someone, an elder in the local church, you know, just live a good life out in yeah. the country, just, you know, good, good life. Mm -hmm. and. I remember these strangers started coming up to me and asking me, um, I'd be downtown Chattanooga or something, and people would be like, are you a pastor? And I, no, I'm not. Mm. Just randomly they'd come oh, up? Oh, dude, it was all the <laughs> time, man. It was just, I remember it was like one or two weeks, I was really wrestling with the Lord, pleading with them, because I was under conviction uh -huh. the Holy Spirit. Like, Lord was putting it on me, like, I'm calling you to ministry 
pastoral ministry. Mm. And I just started wrestling with the Lord. I was like, Lord, I'll do anything. Mm. Just don't call me to be a pastor. Yeah. You know, I was terrified of it. And um, all these people kept coming to me providentially, you know, are you a pastor? And I was like, no, no, I'm not. Mm. And basically, long story short, I just, um, I finally surrendered. And I was like, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. What, what, what was the, um, the initial fear? Uh, you know, I mean, I had, I'd grown up, um, I had some, uh, some experience in church, mm. not a lot, right? but I, I had enough to know that, um, you know, church isn't always, uh, the friendliest of places. Mm. And, um, I think just to see these, I went to, it was a fairly affluent church and you got a lot of power brokers and, mm. you know, the idea of kind of being a leader of a local church was like terrifying. Like, right. you know, I'm a, I'm a little 20 year old kid, like 23 year old kid. Like what? Mm-hmm. I'm retelling like 50 year old professionals, you know what I think they need to be doing with their life. It's right. like, it just didn't seem yeah like something that I was interested in. I, I think, I think this is something that Jeremiah would have struggled with as well because God has essentially come to him and said, this is what I want you to do. And I mean, I think some of us wish that God would be that direct with us. You know, right. He would just outline it for us and we'd have to follow along. And, and I think the reason why he doesn't is because if he did just straight up, I don't think we'd like it very much. Yeah, probably wouldn't listen necessarily, at least all the time. Right. And so he's having this experience where he's like, I don't really want to go. This is not what I want to do. He's not He's not Jonah yet, right. but, um, but this is not necessarily what Jeremiah's plans were for Jeremiah, but God said, this is, this is who I want you to be. And that's a struggle. I remember myself, I had just got out of the baptism pool <laughs> Wow! and I'm coming out and you know, the, you kind of have to stand there with the books that the church give you to say, you know, welcome. <laughs> right, right. And then people come up and shake your hand <clears throat> and it's like almost this very formal invitation into the church. And this lady came up to me and she was like, you're going to be a pastor one day. And I was like, what? No way. Why, why would I be a, what? And I, I, from that very moment, I was completely against it. And I think part of it was just, um, part of it was just me being like, I'm not comfortable right. with other people thinking that they know who God wants me to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. You know, like how, how you don't even know me. Yeah, like, and you think that I'm going to be a pastor? Like, like, where'd you get that idea? Right. Is it, you know, and it was confusing. And I think actually that that, that specific moment, because it happened numerous times after that, but that specific moment put me on a path where I was like, I never want to be a pastor. I never want to be a minister. Amen. And the more you see pastors and ministers, at least for me, the less I wanted to be one. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy that stands up there every week and is like, you know, just kind of laying it down and and then getting torn up by his by his congregation. I was like, this is not for me. And I feel like in that way, I feel a little bit like Jeremiah at these beginning stages where he's like, does it have to be this? Oh, uh, bro, I I totally hear where you're coming from. And that's really, I mean, the reluctance that Jeremiah had there in verse six, he says, mm-hmm. um, inside I, Oh Lord God, behold, I cannot speak for I'm a child. Right. I mean, I was someone else. Yeah. It's like, surely you got someone else that's better qualified. You know, and I, I think I was 23, 23 years old when I gave my life to the Lord. And mm. it was when I got back from Japan, um, as a missionary, um, you know, teaching English classes in a community center and a cooking class, you know, they didn't know I could, couldn't cook, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I learned how to make apple pie and I marketed, <laughs> Hey, we're going to have American cuisine. And <laughs> you know, it's, I was, it's kind of accurate. Yeah. I mean, I was looking for an edge, you know, it's like, well, you know, they'll go for it. So, I mean, the adventure of being a missionary in a foreign country, that was mm-hmm. exciting. Cause right. I mean, you just got to freestyle and, and be with people and live with them. And mm-hmm. that was fun, but there's something about the, the organized like pastoral ministry that was awfully intimidating. Mm-hmm. And this idea where Jeremiah is telling the Lord kind of bargaining, like, you know, I, I cannot speak. Yeah. I'm a child. Like I can totally, that resonates with me. Mm-hmm. It's like, I remember, um, 
being asked to share my testimony first couple times. And I just remember the sweat rolling down my back and my legs knocking together. And I think I had a close friend that he was in the congregation. And afterwards he says, Hey man, you know how many times you said, yeah, um, and I said, <laughs> no, I don't. He was an English major. He was a real, uh, just a brilliant linguist. And he said, um, you said it like 40 something times. And I was <laughs> he like, counted. Yeah. He counted. I was like, well, I, yeah, thanks man. I'll, uh, I'll try to remember that next time. Mm. <laughs> so, I mean, I was just terrified of being up in front and speaking. In the past, God spoke directly to his creation, but now he speaks through them. And it's easy to think, oh, he's just up there preaching and just saying whatever he wants and getting paid to do it. The reality is that pastoral ministry is so much more. It's the meetings, the visitations, the praying with the members, pleading for their salvation early in the morning and late at night. It's being stripped away from family gatherings because someone else is losing their grasp on life. And it's the wrestling with the Word of God, which in itself can be painful enough. Jeremiah's purpose preceded his existence. And the truth is that to exist outside of one's God-given purpose is futile at best, calamitous at worst. Jeremiah wasn't promised a happy life. Not one is. But we are promised that even if everything around us is crumbling to pieces, God is with us. I used to think, well, the only way to have a happy life is for your existence to line up with your purpose. Now to find out what is it that God wants you to do Amen. and to do that. And that's how you're going to have a happy life. It was at my wedding. I'm sitting down with my wife beside me and we're on the pulpit and Pastor Adam Ramdin is preaching the sermon. And the sermon is, I think the title was holiness over happiness. Mm. And it was essentially that if you're going to live the life that God wants you to have, it's not a guarantee of happiness, but it is a guarantee of holiness. And Amen. in God's eyes, holiness is much more valuable than happiness. And God is merciful right. and he's, he's wonderful in that he gives you that happiness right. as much as he can. But you see in the life of Jeremiah that mm. fulfilling your calling doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have a great life. It could mean that you have an incredibly difficult life, yeah. but holiness is more important than happiness. Amen. I, li I like that concept. It's like, yeah, happiness is so fleeting anyways. Mm -hmm. um, think about, I think about before I gave my life to the Lord, I mean, happiness was, you know, there was always the next day, right? <laughs> you had to wake up and, uh, and uh, you're hung over or whatever. It's, I mean, happiness was a fleeting notion even then, but I think what I found you know, in, in concert with what Pastor Pastor Random was saying, it's like, you know, there's a joy, there's a peace, and um, being in alignment with what God has for your life, mm -hmm. and knowing without a shadow of a doubt that you're just where God wants you to be, and it's like, Lord, I I didn't expect this. This isn't always. Um, happy moments when you got to mm -hmm. stand up front and say right. things that yeah. people don't want to hear. But I have peace and, and you learn to have peace knowing that God's with you. Right. And, and I think uh, that the happiest place in the world yeah. is being where God would have you be. Oh, most definitely. You know, like whatever line of work that is, that's where you're going to find the most fulfillment in your life. And, and we try to find it everywhere else. Oh man. We look everywhere for that. In all the wrong places. Exactly. And for Jeremiah, He's, he's simply saying to God, I understand why you might need me, but I'm not the one, you know, I can't do this. I'm not qualified. <laughs> I'm not qualified for this kind of work. I can't speak. I'm too young. I'm too inexperienced. No one's going to listen. He's got a whole line of excuses, right? He's just like, no, nah, there's got to be someone better qualified. Right. And God's saying, no, it's, it's you. <laughs> it's you. I'm not concerned about you. You know, you hear the, the kind of, cli it's cliche now. It was kind of cool when I first heard it, but it's cliche right. now and that God qualifies the called, he doesn't necessarily just call the qualified. I think if you, you go on, you look down at verse what seven through mm. nine, it's um, 
Jeremiah goes on, he says, but the Lord said unto me, say not, I am a child for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. And whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. In verse eight, it says, be, be not afraid of their faces for I am with thee to deliver thee, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. Mm. And here's his authority. Verse 10, see, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, pull down, to destroy. But it's not all negative. He says, in addition, to throw down, but also to build and to plant. Mm. And so I, you know, you, again, it goes back for me and I can can just imagine what Jeremiah is experiencing. Right. You just, you just don't feel qualified. I, I speak for myself. I did not feel qualified you know, for pastoral ministry, even after training for four years, you know, and, and the idea of uh, going in and running in and, and hey, I'm the leader, folks, hmm. you know, listen up. This is our program. This is what we're going to do. And, <laughs> right. you know, I, I've heard someone say that there's at least two different types of people in ministry. You got um, Moses or Jeremiah, who's a reluctant leader, mm-hmm. right? I mean, some people just love power. Mm-hmm. There's other people that are like, it doesn't tempt them at all. Right. And uh, like Moses or Jeremiah, they're totally reluctant leaders, mm-hmm. but God's calling them. Right. And then you have Paul or Saul of Tarsus and he's, he's driven. He's got a plan. I mean, he's the man. Yeah. And then the Lord has to knock him off his horse and say, Hey man, you're going the wrong way. Mm. And um, I think we're somewhere in that spectrum. Mm-hmm. And I think most of the time I've been the reluctant leader. Right. So I can totally identify with Jeremiah, but I, I think in the midst of, of these feelings of like inadequacy or not feeling like um, you're qualified or I'm qualified for pastoral ministry, I think what's, uh, what's been reassuring is knowing like what the Lord told Jeremiah, don't be afraid of their faces. Mm-hmm. You can tell, you can tell that that God's done this before. Yeah. <laughs> like he knows what's going to cause you to fear. You're going to stand up there. You're going to look at them. I know what you're afraid of. Right. Don't sweat it. Yeah. Like they're going to be mean mugging you. Mm-hmm. Like they're going to be glaring at you. And like, I can't believe you saying this. Like, right. who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. Like, do you know how long I've been here? Like, who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and rightfully so. It's like, yeah. even when I hear people speak, I'm like, you know, my temptation is immediately to think, I don't, if I don't know you, it's like, why should I listen to you? Mm-hmm. You know, now if they're, speaking according to the Bible, then all right, yeah, I'm listening. Mm-hmm. But um, Jeremiah is like the Lord knew, like, hey, uh, you're going to be afraid of their faces, right. but don't be. And then, he, and then he basically tells him, this is what you're going to have to do. You're going you're gonna to pull down. You're going to destroy. You're going to throw it down. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're going to build and you're going to plant as well. Welcome to ministry, right? Jeremiah. This is Jeremiah. This is what ministry <laughs> looks like. You're going to have to go in there, blow up the place, and then rebuild it. And I think <laughs> that a lot of people, when we go into ministry, sometimes we 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 forget that some things need to be torn down. Yeah, you know, we forget that the ministry of Josiah preceded the ministry of Jeremiah. You know, sometimes you have to go in, tear down those idols, and then you can start preaching reformation. That's right. But a lot of, a lot of, and I don't, I don't want to overgeneralize here, but we go into ministry and it's just like, well, I'm just going to try and, I'm going to try and keep these people happy. I'm going to make sure that I'm liked. I'm going to make sure that, you know, that the sermons, they're encouraging and they're, right. you know, they're bringing you closer to God, but we don't often think sometimes the message has to destroy. Sometimes it has right. to cut right to the very bone, to the marrow. Yes. Some of these people in your flock are building on a faulty foundation. Right. Exactly. And you got to help them dig up that rotten wood. You got to help them like, Hey, you're not building on the rock. Mm. I got to help you see this because otherwise you're going to build a whole house. And by the time you're finished and and you built a life, it's going to crumble. Right. So I got to do, I got to help you on this. And they're like, I don't want your help. Yeah. You're like, well, but I love you. And And it's going to fall. Yeah. And I got to tell you, like, you know, we got to pull this down. We got to rework this and then build it up. Mm. And, you know, some people are accepting that. And then other people are just like, thanks, but no thanks. I'll go somewhere else. Yeah. I think, I think, I think a lot of ministers get a hard time because until you've done it 
and until you've done it on a consistent basis, where you are standing before, you know, I've always found it much easier to go away and preach right. than to preach at my home church. Oh yeah, being a guest speaker somewhere is like- Yeah, it's, it's I mean, you still wanna, you still wanna do the duty that God has given you to do, but That's it's true. not like when you're speaking at home in front of everyone that knows you. Yeah. Like preaching at those times, preaching the hard messages, the serious messages, the ones that you know might get you in, in some trouble. Right. It's, it's, it's what God has called you to do. To destroy sometimes. Don't yeah. don't look past the building up and the planting. But even before you build and before you plant, you have to dig up that foundation. And I think that we need more young people that are taking that step into ministry. Absolutely. To be willing to take a few hits, to take a few nasty looks, to take a few snide comments and say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be that Jeremiah. I'm gonna be that faithful worker that God has called me to be. Yeah, I think one of the keys is just to have clear expectations, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's been said that one of the most disappointing things in life or in ministry is unmet expectations. Mm -hmm. You know, you think things are going to be a certain way and then you get into it and you're like, I didn't expect this. And, and I think it's important to remember that, you know, out of the words of Jesus, he says, look, a servant isn't greater than his master. Right. You know, if they hated me, <laughs> are they always going to love you? Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, that's the, what's inferred. So they're going to, you know, if Jesus didn't make it out without scars, mm -hmm. then what makes us think that we're just, you know, pastoral ministry is just going to be easy all the time. Right. It's so just, in, it's just in not. your faithfulness, you have to expect opposition. Yeah. You know, if there is an opposition, you might want to take a step back and question whether, whether Why you're really doing there? what you're meant to be doing. You go to down to verse 17 through 19, it kind of sums it up there where um, the scripture says, thou therefore gird up thy loins. It's kind of like man up, you know, mm, get ready, yeah. um, arise and speak unto them all that I command thee. Yeah, be not dismayed at their faces. Again, this, yep. he's, he's underscoring this idea. Don't be afraid of them. Uh, lest I confound thee before them. It's like, look, don't be afraid of them. And if you choose to be, <laughs> I'm going to confound you. It's like, oh, uh, verse 18 for, for behold, I have made thee this day a defended city and a iron pillar, brazen walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah. I mean, wow. Against the princes thereof, against the priests thereof, against the people of the land. I mean, God is essentially promising Jeremiah his strength. Mm. You know, your strength is promised. Right. And I think that's important mm. to, to know in ministry. Like, You're not doing this in your own strength. God is calling you. And you think about even in Matthew 28, it's right around 17 through 20, you know, the Great Commission. Before Jesus gives the Great Commission, he says, you know, all authority mm. in heaven and yep. on earth has been given unto me. Now go, you know, make disciples of all nations. I think that's so important to know when you're going into ministry, you know, the strength and the power of God is promised to you, right? And um, it was to Jeremiah, the power of the word, you know. And then verse 19, it says, and, and they shall fight against you. Yeah. I mean, that, that's clear expectation, right? They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you, says the Lord, to deliver you. Mm. And so, you know, I mean, pastoral ministry, it's definitely um, a calling. It's, it's not something that you appoint yourself. Mm. And um, I think you just go into it with clear expectations like, it's the Lord that calls you. He calls you to say some hard things. People won't always welcome that. And uh, you just got to love him anyways. Stand in the strength of the Lord mm. and go forward. Did you catch that? Doing pastoral ministry right doesn't mean everyone in the congregation loves and appreciates you. It means that you love and appreciate everyone in the congregation. They'll cut you down behind closed doors. They'll speak ill of your sermons, even if they were God's very own words. They'll make you question whether this is really what you want to do with your life. And the best thing you can do to respond to their rejection? Love on them. Now, if that's not the very heart of Jesus, I don't know what is. Stick around. When we're back, 
we'll take a look at what can happen to someone that fully dedicates their life to God. And it might not turn out how you think. I'm Dean Cullinane, and you're listening to Why They Did That. To go and make disciples is the call that Jesus has given us all. But the work doesn't stop there. You have to gain, train, and then maintain. And Disciples Interest Tracking Software will help you do just that. Disciples is an online program that will help you keep track of all the new friends you're making while out there sharing the gospel. Whether you're going door to door, giving Bible studies, or you just have a number of new people visiting your church, Disciples will make sure that no one slips through the cracks. If you'd like to sign up for their pro plan, you can visit disciples.io forward slash WTDT and they'll give you a whole month for free. We will only have until the end of March to sign up. Ministry doesn't have to be disorganized. Let's make disciples the right way. There was a time not long ago where common people like you and I could not have our own Bibles. Now we have a plethora of options and it can be mind-boggling to try and find the right one. We'd like to invite you to check out Humble Lamb Bibles. Not only are their Bibles designed to inspire you to go deeper in your own study, but they are clothed in real genuine leather. And one of the real pulls for this great company is that for every premium Bible they sell, they'll give someone else that doesn't have access to the Word of God a free Bible too. That's right, you'll get your own Bible and you're giving someone else the opportunity to find God too. It's a win-win. Visit HumbleLamb.com and use our usual promo code WTDT to get an additional 10% off your purchase. Jeremiah is the epitome of faithfulness. He preaches the Word of God day in, day out for 40 years. And what does he have to show for all of that? He has nothing. No fruit, no converts. Maybe Baruch, maybe. But other than that, nothing. Would you stick in there? Would you hang around? A pastor with no converts? It's like a businessman with no sales or a teacher with no one passing the class. It's unheard of. But that's the lot that befalls this wearied shepherd. And he's just about ready to give up. He's done. He's like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. And you can't blame him. Right. And, and I think in pastoral ministry, a lot of times it's been said that pastors once they're in ministry, mm. you know, they ask themselves, do I want to keep doing this? Mm. You know, because it gets rough and the Lord strengthens you. Right. You know, your devotion life is vital. Your prayer life is vital. Um, singing praises to the Lord is vital. Mm. And even when you feel like you just can't go forward, it's like Jeremiah, you know, later in, in the book says, you know, it's like a f fire in my bones. I, right. I can't hold it. I can't keep it to myself. And that's really the love of God mm. in Jeremiah. He loves God's people yeah. enough to be spent to try to reach them. You know what's crazy? If Jeremiah was here today, mm. right? let's say Jeremiah is a pastor in today's church. Wow. He'd be fired. Yeah, he would. <laughs> so. You know, your local conferences would have let go of him and said, all right, all right, show us. Uh, give oh, us your numbers for, for this quarter. How many How many did you bring into the church? And he's just like, none. He's like, zero. All right, well, 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 we'll give you some more time. You're new, you're new. Yeah. You know, 10 years later. Yeah, we're going right. to put you through a church growth intensive. Right, we're going to send you through right. some programs right. and comes back, right, five years. How, how many, Read some how books. Many got? Zero. 10 years later, how many converts? Zero. What's wrong with you, man? I mean, that's it. He's gone. You know, they're not going to give him, he's done. Yeah. And here he is. Here he is, one of the most faithful men recorded in scripture, but but no real fruit to show for it. And I, 
I'm I'm not a pastor myself. I I, I have the feeling that God is going to have me there at one point, but I've experienced this to a much lesser degree. You know, you go to churches and you preach and you make calls and sometimes no one responds. Yeah. You know, some, you're just up there and like you said, you can hear like the tumbleweed and the crickets <laughs> like, where it's just, does does anyone, does anyone want to accept this? Did, did I accomplish anything right. here? And you go like, home and you think, did God use me? Yeah. You know, like. That's real, man. Is there, is there, is there something that like, am I unfaithful? Is there something wrong with me? Right. Am I not, was I not praying for the Holy Spirit? Right. What, what happened, you know? And you look at that and it, it, it can be easy. And, and the opposite is true. Right. You go up there, you make an altar call, the whole church comes forward and you're like, yeah, God's using me, you know? And I've sat on that side as well, where, you know, I've preached and the whole church comes forward and everyone wants to get baptized and you leave there thinking, yeah, praise God. At least I know that, you Success. know, right. I'm on track. I'm on track. And, and I know, I've, and I've said this before that a lot of, in a lot of my personal ministry, God has used me in spite of me. Amen, brother. You know, like I, it's, I totally know what you're talking about. I've been about. unfaithful, wholly unfaithful. Right. You know, like neglecting prayer, neglecting Bible study, neglecting right. the personal work, the small thing. Just working in your own strength. Right. And he's just, he's still blessing beyond belief. Amen. And the the temptation was that with that is just to keep going. Yeah. And just to, you know, kind of allow it to just become a, a form, just fall into that mode of just kind of flying autopilot. And then you come to this, come to Jeremiah, and you can't help but see that no, you haven't been even close to faithful. Man. And I'm not saying that God is blessing you because you're faithful. God right, is right. God. He does what he needs sure. to do. But I can only imagine being a pastor and standing behind that same pulpit every single week and doing your best to preach the message and getting nothing. Yeah. Because that's Jeremiah. Jeremiah's getting nothing. He's not getting amens. He's not getting baptisms. Man. He's not getting church growth. He's not getting higher, you know, offerings. He's not he's, getting pats on the back. No yeah. attaboys. I mean, he's getting thrown into mud pits and, and maligned into and mistreated. Jail. And it's like, I, and I think it goes back to that original thought of what is success in mm -hmm. ministry? How is success measured? Right. How's it defined? And, and, and I think, again, we, we attempt to measure success by numbers mm. or, you know, we want to see results and, you know, what's interesting is you, you think about Jeremiah's ministry, he follows up Josiah mm -hmm. and, and Josiah, this young King works reformation or he works revival. Right. And then Jeremiah wants to continue the revival by reaching the people's heart mm. and, and really pointing out, Hey, there's idols there. There, there, there are idols in your heart. There, um, you're not being faithful to God. Turn away from your backsliding. So he's really want he he has a burden for God's people, and he's wanting to sustain this revival, mm -hmm. which revival and reformation go and hand in hand. Yeah. You can't have reformation without revival, and you can't sustain revival without a reformation. Mm -hmm. And so he knows this, and he's trying to lead the people to maintain their faithfulness to God or to establish their faithfulness to God to reestablish it that they can remain or have this sustained revival mm. and they hate him for it. Yeah. It's like, no guys, I love you. Please hear me. And they hate him. Yeah. And, and, and yet again, like you were saying earlier, it's like, would we call him successful as a modern day pastor? Right. Probably not. And from that point, I wonder how many people have got discouraged from entering ministry mm. or they've turned away from it because it looks like they've been unsuccessful. You know, yeah. because it's easy to, to say, I'm gonna start this, I'm gonna do this for the Lord. And you know, I mean, and nowadays, what does that look like? I'm gonna start a YouTube channel or I'm right. gonna have a, I'm gonna start an outreach ministry in my church, something along those lines. And there's very little response and it can get very discouraging very quickly. And you just think, yeah, well, maybe God hasn't called me to this. Maybe I'm, I'm meant to do something else. Oh, most definitely. And it, or like if you're, 
you see no results. And then while you're seeing the results, you're taking it on the chin mm. and you're getting beat up. And, and do you really want to continue? Right. It's like, or, or are you going to change your message? Mm-hmm. And, and what temptations are going to come to you? Like, you know, do I really want to do this? Right. Like, Lord, am I really, is there any effectual change being made? But then I would have to ask this. I'd have to ask, are you thinking of entering ministry just because you think it could be successful? Ah, great like, question. Would you, would you be willing to minister for God for the rest of your life mm. if you knew no one was going to appreciate it? Wow. Like, would you, would you be willing to push on to take your ideas, to take, you know, the things that you thought God had given you and, and just keep going and going and going and going, even though no one seems to like it. No one seems to care. No one is coming up to you saying, oh yeah, I believe in God because of you. Like you're getting nothing. If you had that original conviction that this is what God wanted you to do, would you still push ahead even if no one was listening? Because that's Jeremiah. That's a great question, man. And I, and I think it's gotta be a yes. If you really, if you're going to be in ministry and be faithful like Jeremiah, then it's right. That's what faithfulness looks like. Yeah. There's, there's a point, there's a point in the book where Jeremiah is, is there, they know he's a prophet, you know, they're coming to him and say, okay, tell us, you know, they're kind of shook up about Babylon and, and what, what might happen. And Jeremiah tells them, you need to get ready because Babylon's coming and you're just going to have to submit to them. And they're like, no, 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 we're not going to do that. You're right. Like, we're not going to submit to Babylon. And Jeremiah's like, no, God wants you to. Just, you'll be okay if you do. And they're like, no, no, that's not right. That's not right. Toss him in jail. Babylon comes, you know, destroys them. And later on, they're coming back to Jeremiah. They say, okay, tell us what's going to happen. And they're fearful. They're like, you know, is, is Babylon going to come and destroy us like last time? And Jeremiah's like, no, they're not. Like, they're not coming back. And they're like, no, 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 you're lying. You're lying. <laughs> you know, dash him away again. And it, it doesn't matter what he says. No, because they don't value the, the authority of God's word. Right. And so their authority unto themselves and they just, it's a mockery of, of God's word. Mm. I know in my own personal ministry, um, you know, the Lord puts a burden on you to, um, you got to confront some open sin in the church and, mm. Yeah, that's not what you signed up for. At least that, that wasn't the expectation that I had. Right. You know, you go into a church and there's elders soliciting prostitutes. Mm-hmm. There's pornography here and there. There's people up in the balcony, you know, watching football games and they're more enthusiastic about the Super Bowl than they are about reading the Bible or prayer meeting. And, Boy. and you're just like, Lord, can I be like, can I get into literature evangelism? Can I do like some other line <laughs> of work? Like, um, and the Lord's like, no, I've called you to this. Yeah. And it's like, oh, all right, Lord, well, give me the courage. You know, mm-hmm. give me the love for these people to be willing to tell them the truth. Right. It's going to cost me, Lord, I know. But, but Lord, you are willing to lay down your life for me mm-hmm. and for these people. Help me to be willing to lay down my life. Right. And it's, it really boils down to that. And, and the thing is, that's, that's what Christ said. Yeah. You know, he said that you don't have the authority to rebuke those that you don't love. Wow. Yeah. Like it's, if you don't love them, leave, leave them alone. Let someone else do it. But if you're going to stand there and use the word of God and call them out, your heart needs to be beating for them. You know, you need to be living to see them in the kingdom. Then you can rebuke. Yeah. If you enjoy rebuking people, then God has not called you, right? You're right. not ready. You're not, you don't have the right yeah. frame of mind or, or heart condition to do it. And, you know, I know that, that in ministry, you, I remember one time um, I was speaking about modesty, but I, I was just making the point, you know, that, um, you know, both men and women, we need to be each other's keeper. We need to be our brother's keeper and, and, and help each other. Mm. And I remember I made the point about dressing in a way that glorifies God and, and helps our brother mm-hmm. and our sisters. And there was one point where I thought, man, that might've offended someone because it was pretty straight. Right. And I'll never forget this woman came up to me afterwards and she was just weeping Hmm. and she was scantily clad. Right. I mean, she was like, yeah, little to the imagination. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, she came to me and she was just weeping and I felt like I should apologize, which by the way, you know, you should never apologize for the word of God. That's it. Right. Um, 
especially if you said it in the right spirit. Mm-hmm. If you say it in the wrong spirit, then yeah, you probably need yeah. to apologize. But, you know, I was, I was tempted to apologize, but I was just quiet. And I, you know, I said, are you okay? And she said, I just want to say thank you so much mm-hmm. for telling me the truth. And I wasn't planning on coming here today. In fact, I don't come here, but I, I, I decided to come. Mm-hmm. And um, thank you so much. Wow. This has changed me. You know, and, and that was such an encouragement. But to think that Jeremiah never even got that yeah, for 40 years. And then there's been times where I've confronted things like, um, uh, let's say some sort of leader was in prostitution or in, in soliciting prostitution or, or wow. uh, into pornography. And mm. this is a grown man, you know, and, and I, I, I'm like, Lord, how do I do this? Mm. And you go to the, go to him in love with tears and, and you plead with them and they just say, well, I, I can't overcome. Mm. And then they malign you. They, they, they say all sorts of bad things about you and right. they, they hate you for it. And you're pleading for their soul. You're, you're praying for them. You're laboring, interceding in their behalf. You're going to them gently and they hate you for it mm. because no one else has ever confronted them. Right. And, and it's like, you don't think you're doing anything novel. You don't think you're doing anything extraordinary. You're mm. just trying to be faithful and love these people. Pastoral ministry is difficult. There's no doubt about that. But sometimes the reason it's so hard is because for so many, it's a career, not a calling. And when you look at it as a career, like any job, you need to please people if you want to stay employed. You end up telling them the things that they want to hear instead of the things that they need to hear you end up just perpetuating the problem. As the prophet Isaiah said about the leaders of God's people, they have become dumb dogs. Dogs that have refused to bark at danger just for their own greedy gain. And so to any pastors out there that are hearing this, you have to ask yourself, what motivates you? Do you have the love of Jesus in your heart for these people? Because that cannot just be manufactured. You can't just muster that up on your way to preaching that morning. This, this calling has to define your life and everything that you do with your life. You have to stand up there and faithfully preach the Word of God, even if nobody wants to hear it. Even if it costs you everything you have, preach the Word. I remember I was asked to speak at this, well, the largest church in the, the in, in the area. Uh-huh. And I remember I went and I was like, okay, I know what I'm going to speak. I'm going to speak on Daniel chapter three, you know, okay, uh, the signal to bow down and worship the image of Babylon was uh-huh. when all this music starts to play. Right. Because I figured, you know, I, I know youth are tempted with music. Mm-hmm. You know, is there any distinction between worldly music and church music anymore? Right. And I would say no, oftentimes, unfortunately. But anyways, I, I remember preparing Daniel 3 and I was going to go in and I, I drive up to this large monolithic structure, this huge church. And mm. I walk in and I'm about 15, 20 feet out and I hear this, you know, this bass, like it sounded like a rave inside, you mm. know, like this backbeat rhythm, like boom, mm, 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 mm. And I was like, mm. what, wait, am I, do I have the right address? And I remember <laughs> kind of like, no, this is the right place. Like, right. what's going on? And I remember opening the door, this big, big door. Castle or something, and I walk in, and the the noise is just deafening, mm. and it's all like stone, so it's just the acoustics are, you know, <laughs> excellent. Unfortunately, <laughs> Unfortunately, in this case, yeah. And it's like, and I walked around the corner into the youth chapel, and you got like 50, 60 of these young adults and youth, and you got kind of like these strobe lights and these black lights, mm-hmm. and you got a DJ in the middle. A DJ. A DJ. <laughs> My brother, Dean, is like this DJ is standing there and he's got two turntables and he's got his headphones up to his ear and he's like <laughs> scratching, you know, you know, he's all just breaking down and he's like into it. And the youth are trying to like get into it and they're all like, you know, moving around. I'm in thinking, a Christian kind of way. Yeah, in a, in, a, in a Christian sort of way. And I'm like, what is this? You know, what, a, what an anomaly, right. a contradiction. Uh-huh. 
And so I just, I stand there in the doorway and I'm just looking at him like, I'm thinking to myself, I'm, I'm teaching on Daniel three tonight. Wow. Like, how's this going to go? Uh-huh. This is, I mean, this is a Jeremiah moment. Yep. And so I remember I just, I was like, oh man, Lord, I got to, I got to get out of here. Like what? You and left. so I, tur- I just left. I turned around and I just left and I walked out and, and, and I called a friend of mine, this guy that had a rough background and, and uh, gave his life to the Lord. He was serving as an elder mm. at a church, like, you know, an hour up the road or whatever. And I was like, man, you got to pray with me, man. I feel like I'm walking into a lion's den. You got, mm. And I told him the situation. He's like, right. oh, brother, let me pray with you. Mm. So we prayed and, and got my courage up. And I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm going in, you know, I'm not going to change the message. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stick with Daniel 3. Nice. I just go in there and there's really, I, I give the most just basic reading of Daniel 3. There's nothing dynamic about my delivery. I just read it. I just presented it, went through it, and then asked the question, you know, what was the signal in Daniel 3 to bow down and worship the image of Babylon? Right? And and here's the moment of truth. And you're still alive today. Yeah, right, right. (laughs) I mean, no tomatoes were thrown. They didn't have any, but I remember just asked the question and it just got really quiet. And you could just see their faces like, I can't believe you just said that. I can't believe oh, he's doing this. Right. And and I'm thinking to myself like, wow, Lord, I have total peace. This is great. Mm. And I was looking at their faces and I, and I really felt like, I mean, the Lord was giving me love for them. Mm. And I was just looking into their faces and they were looking at me in shock and a little bit of anger, you know, the <laughs> leaders, you know, like, how dare you do this? Mm. You know, you're never coming back here again. And um, I just asked these youth, like, what was the signal? What was it? And someone finally reluctantly spoke up, you know, and asserted themselves Mm -hmm. in a mild boldness and said, it was the music. Wow. And I said, that's right. And I remember I just said something to the effect. I just said, you know, guys, the Lord Jesus is calling you to stand for him. Mm -hmm. I said, but tonight, all of you have been bowing down to Babylon. That's what you've been doing. This music you're listening to, it doesn't belong in the worship of Jesus Christ. Like, mm. You've been bound down to Babylon and you know it. And I remember the Lord just gave me this holy boldness. Wow. It was like, I, I, it was like, I wasn't yelling at him, of course, right. but I was just like, you know, you're mm. bowing down to Babylon. And I said, the Lord's calling you to stand for Jesus, mm. stand for his word. And it got really quiet. And so I just made a call. It was just this stark moment of just like, the Lord's calling you to stand. Mm. Quit bowing down to Babylon. Which of you tonight is going to stand for Jesus? Who is it? Go ahead and stand. And Dean, it was like, it was so quiet for the longest time and I was waiting and waiting and, you know, you got to be comfortable in that pregnant pause. Mm. And it's just that silence. And finally this young man stood up in the back and I was like, God bless you. Mm. And he stood up. I mean, the courage of this young man. I mean, you know, you get older, you don't care as much what your peers think. But here's a a teenager. Hmm. I mean, teens care so much about what their peers think of them. And this guy stands. And I'm like, praise the Lord. God bless you, brother. I said, is there anyone else? Another pregnant pause. And and then finally, this guy on the other side of the room, he stands up. Hmm. And I'm like, praise God. I said, God bless you, young man. Jesus stands with you. Amen. And I said, is there anyone else? And it's just, again, this long pause and it's just quiet and people are looking around like, I can't believe this has happened. And I'm just standing there, you know, and I'm not mean mugging anybody. I'm just kind of looking in people's faces and just waiting. And finally, Dean, the DJ stands up. <laughs> and I was just like, brother, it just, it gripped my heart. I, I got mm. emotional in the moment. I was just like, wow. praise the Lord, brother. I was like, Oh, praise the Lord. And, mm. and, and the Lord just gave it to me in that moment. I looked at him without any premeditation or no irony. It was just, I looked at him and I said, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, mm. oh. you guys are always going to be among the minority to stand for what's right, to stand for the truth. I said, but know this, that as you stand for what's right, you're going to be thrown into fiery trials and ordeals. And I want you to know that Jesus joins you in the midst of those. And actually in the midst of your fiery ordeal for standing up for what's right among the minority, you're actually set free. There's this freedom and this release for being faithful. 
those moments don't happen often, right? I, I was never asked to speak there again, right? I mean, it's kind so of an understatement. It's understood. But, but the thing is, like, you don't get those successful stories very often. But when you do, it's like you never forget them. And you're like, Lord, help me to be like Jeremiah. Help me to be faithful. Help me to gather courage from the cowardice of others, loyalty from their trees, and help me to be faithful, even if the majority are bowing down. Help me, Jesus. Give me the courage to stand for you. Don't ever measure your success in ministry by outward results. Mm. Just remember Jeremiah in 40 years of ministry where he never saw a convert, really never saw a lot of church growth or success was not asked to speak in certain places again. Mm. And yet he loved the people enough to be faithful. And I think that's what the Lord's looking for in these times. Just be a faithful Jeremiah. And the Lord will give you the strength and he'll stay with you. He that hath an ear, let him hear. And you just heard our latest show. If you'd like to hear more or hearken back to a previous episode, you can find us at whythedidthat.org. Please also subscribe to our show at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on your favorite social media accounts, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at whythedidthat. We're on YouTube now as well, where you can actually watch this episode instead of just listening to it. So make sure you check that out. And this show was produced by the great and marvelous Christian Freed. Once again, I'm Dean Cullinane, and you're listening to Why They Did That. Why they did that.